Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 10 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast. We've reached double digits. I'm Nick Garisco at Fantasy Law Guy on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. It's Mock Draft Monday. He dropped the ball! Oh, he dropped the ball! He did what? Playoffs? What do talk about? Playoffs? Who the hell is Mel Kiper? They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. It's my quarterback. What the hell's going on out here? I cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep a trick the ball down the field, boys. I saw, son. I saw. Hello? You play to win the game. Hardly. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. The rumors are true. I will be doing a live mock draft from the sixth pick of a 12-team half PPR league format. And as a reminder, before we get into that, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, it only takes fewer than five seconds to hit subscribe and to give this podcast a five-star rating. So I would appreciate that greatly. But first, let's get to some fantasy news. The NFLPA and the NFL have reached an agreement on CBA changes for the 2020 season to move forward as scheduled. That is obviously excellent news. First, training camp will start on schedule. That's July 28th. That's Tuesday of this week. And now we pretty much know that there's going to be a season. And the season is a lot closer than it feels. We're a month away from football and two to three weeks away from the time that most people draft. Drafts will be later this year, but man, it does not feel like it's about to be August. Prime time for fantasy football. So the players will get to facilities, they'll work out, and they'll go to meetings for 16 days. This is how the schedule is going to work. And then they can go to on-field practices after 16 days. And then five days after that, they can have padded practices. And of course, there's no preseason. So here are some ancillary issues that were also resolved. And not necessarily fantasy related, but just general FYI here. The salary cap will be at least $175 million for the 2021 season. Practice squads will increase to 16 players. That's smart. There will be two categories for opt-outs for the COVID-19 virus. It's either high risk or not. And they have different structures based on whether a player is a high risk player who opts out or a player who does not. They have payment plans for each. The players agreed to a pay-as-you-go system. If the season is cut off, players will not receive their full salaries for the 2020 season. They will only receive the game checks for the games that they have played. And the players will also not be able to receive incentives that aren't hit in a COVID-shortened season. So like a lot of these players have incentives in their contracts that allow them to receive bonuses for hitting statistical landmarks. For example, you know, maybe you get $500,000 if you throw for 4,000 yards this season or, or you have 65 receptions. And most of these incentives are actually snap-based, like based on playing time. So if you play X amount or 85% of snaps, for example, you'll get $75,000 bonus. But if the season is cut short, the players will forfeit the right to those incentives if they haven't hit the marks yet. So even if they're projected or to, projected to be on pace to hit those marks, They are not prorating these marks. So that's a big one. So that's obviously incentive for the season not to be 
canceled there. And another related issue is that they are keeping the Pro Bowl, but the players are not getting paid for it. Normally there's the Pro Bowl gives $35,000 to the losers, I think, and $70,000 to the winners, the players on the winning team. Now there's no payment involved in the play Pro Bowl, except I'm assuming they're paying for their trip, but I'm not really even sure about that. But there's even less incentive to play this meaningless game. So I'm sure that'll go really well. Anyway, in related news to COVID, we have our first NFL player who is opting out of the 2020 season. And it's a perfect fit because he is actually a doctor. That's right, Chiefs starting right guard, Dr. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. And I apologize if the name pronunciation is incorrect. But he graduated from medical school a few years back, and he actually works in the medical field during the offseason. And he's actually been dealing with COVID patients during this pandemic. And remember, he's also the player who partitioned, not partitioned, he petitioned the NFL to put Dr. DR, the abbreviation, on the back of his jersey. And the league said no, which was and still is an absolute atrocity and a totally moronic stance for the NFL to actually deny a player representing that achievement. Why would they not allow that? You know what? It, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to just start fuming about that. I'm going to call him doctor, though, because he earned it. And I think it's an awesome achievement, especially for an NFL player. In a statement, the doctor said, being out in front of the front line during this offseason has given me a different perspective on this pandemic and the stress it puts on individuals and our healthcare system. I cannot allow myself to potentially transmit the virus to our communities simply to play a sport I love. If I am to take risk, I will do it caring for patients. I want to thank everyone in the Kansas City Chiefs organization for their support and understanding. Dr. Duvenet Tardif has started or he did start 17 of 19 games for the Chiefs last season when you include playoffs. Obviously, he helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. And their backup guard, who they had last year, Stephen Wisniewski, was actually a free agent, and he signed with the Steelers. And so the Chiefs made a pretty smart move over the weekend. I was kind of unsure who they were going to plug in at right guard. I thought they might even move their new addition of Mike Rimmers, their backup right tackle. I thought they were going to kick him inside to guard and try to make that work. But they, the Chiefs signed Calicio Simile, who, if you recall, is one of the best guards in the NFL, or he was in, in Baltimore, until he signed with the Jets, got hurt. They had a huge injury grievance with the Jets, and they ended up releasing him after a few games last season. And it was kind of surprising he was still out there. It's unclear. He's recovering from shoulder surgery. It's unclear how healthy he is. But if he is healthy, even if he basically took a year off of football, that's going to be an awesome addition for the Kansas City Chiefs and they were a team that was going to return five of five starters along the offensive line but the assembly addition will make it so where the loss of the doctor won't be much of a ding to the KCO line so other players considering opting out and I think they have until August 3rd and to decide if they're opting out of the 2020 season Donald Penn the left tackle for the Bucks. He's another player who was rumored to be considering opting out. So that would be a, a pretty big blow for the Bucks' offensive line and for Tom Brady's protection. And I'm sure we're going to get others, right? I mean, I think there hopefully there's no big surprises on August 3rd or before August 3rd, but I think we will see a few players that we may recognize the names of. They may hold, I mean, not hold out. They may opt out. 
So the, the big fantasy name that I've heard kind of circula- circulating around rumor mill in terms of who could be a surprise opt-out is actually James Conner. And, and it makes sense because he's already defeated cancer. I could see it. I mean, hopefully he decides to play and others decide to play. But I, I will admit I, I would find it a little disconcerting if the only player in the NFL who's actually a doctor and is on the front lines of all this and seeing this stuff firsthand, if he's the one that decided to opt out, that doesn't make me feel totally comfortable as a player. But we don't know if the main reason he opted out is because he doesn't want to put himself or others at risk or if he f- felt that he was more needed or valuable working as a doctor and assisting with pandemic and he'll continue to do so. It could be both. Either way, Dr. Duvenet Tardif's move is heroic. And per the new agreement, I think he's going to get $150,000, which sounds like a lot uh, for somebody who's opting out, but he was set to earn $2 million or over $2 million if he was going to play. So this season's going to be pretty wild. I was just thinking about when this happened, I just kind of started thinking about other potential ramifications. And I just think that depth is going to be so important this year for real NFL teams and for fantasy. But because if a lot of players or a few players or a decent portion of the team contracts the COVID virus, even if they have to miss a week or two, that's pretty significant, right? Because it's it doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, we keep talking about it in terms of, oh, you know, your fantasy players might be out, so you'll have to replace them for a week or two. But what about the quarterbacks, right? What about the quarterbacks? What happens when a quarterback gets the virus? Because that affects the team big time. It, it also affects, from a fantasy, fantasy perspective, you know, if you have Juju Smith-Schuster and he doesn't have COVID, okay, well, no big deal. But what if Big Ben Roethlisberger gets it? Now, all of a sudden, Juju Smith-Schuster is affected because we saw what happened last year when Mason Rudolph's the starting quarterback. All of a sudden, Juju loses all of his fantasy value pretty much. So there's huge impacts on pass catchers and even running backs for fantasy if these quarterbacks contract the virus. And, and maybe to the point where we should start putting an emphasis, and this is what I was thinking about. I was t- trying to take this next level. Maybe it's to the point where we should start putting an emphasis on teams with good backup quarterbacks, like the Saints, actually. Like Jameis Winston may prove to be a much more valuable signing than initially thought, not just for the Saints, but also for fantasy. Because if Drew Brees is out, if he gets COVID and he's out for a game or even two, Jameis Winston can come in and support his pass catchers from a fantasy perspective. And a lot of teams won't have that luxury. Like if Jared Goff gets COVID and the the Rams pass catchers are are likely screwed. In fact, most pass catchers are likely screwed if their backup quarterback has to come in for a game or two. So maybe it's wise to maybe kind of have a tiebreaker of sorts in terms of favoring teams with capable backup quarterbacks like Dallas and Andy Dalton. You know, it's just a thought. If, if quarterbacks start missing games because of this, it will have huge fantasy ramifications and also huge ramifications on seasons because some teams are going to get easy wins if they are fortunate games where they have to play against the other team with a backup quarterback. So in-season management and kind of scanning the waiver wire and spending your fab money wisely, these are all, you know, those types of adjustments in in-season management, it's more critical than ever. And I've always been a huge draft guy. I think the draft kind of really sets the tone for your season and gives you that foundation. But this year, I think we'll see a lot of teams, at least more teams than usual, win on the waiver wire with, with smart, strategic moves because they are 
being better adapters, better adjusters to what's going on in this crazy COVID season. So let's move on. The Athletics, Matt Barrows, he is quote-unquote bullish that Jarek McKinnon, remember that guy, that he returns to full health. And McKinnon would kind of be the third running back behind Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. He's currently... I don't want to say he's undrafted in fantasy football because I've seen some rankings that have him around like 130 to 150. But he's currently pretty much free in fantasy football. He's not on my fantasy radar at all, to be honest. Until I'm starting to see reports about him actually being involved in the offense or him practicing in pads, I'm not really concerned. He has some potential to make some noise as a pass catching back in the Kyle Shanahan offense. And he likes to ride the hot hand. McKinnon's really athletic. He's a workout warrior. But I'm, I'm guessing we're not going to really hear much from McKinnon making huge fantasy noise until probably the second half of the season, if that. Reminder, it's been two years since he has played football. And speaking of the Niners, probably about like one minute before I started recording this today, like right now, Adam Schefter is reporting that Raheem Mostert has restructured his contract and he will not hold out. He would end his holdout. And then that's obviously great news for him and for the Niners. His average draft position has dropped a few rounds because of the uncertainty there. But I think that we should expect it to pick back up, back to where it was around round five, with the 49ers showing this good faith and showing that they wanted to keep Mostert. So the last bit of news we have today is that former LSU strong safety Jamal Adams was traded to the Seattle Seahawks over the weekend. And that is yet another great player jumping from the AFC to the NFC. And Adams, in my opinion, is the best safety in the NFL. And Adams was disgruntled in New York, which seems to be a common theme for players playing there, at least under Adam Gase. The world. He's been wanting a trade for a while, and I suppose that the recent remarks questioning owner Woody Johnson's racist past and the leadership was the nail in the coffin there. So in return, the Jets received a huge package. They received starting safety Bradley McDougal, who is no slouch. They also received a two first-round draft picks and a third-round draft pick, and that's a ton to give up for a safety. That's a ton to get up for anybody. That's like quarterback cost right there. And it's, a, it's just a very aggressive move for Seattle, who also has to re-sign Adams to a long-term deal. He's going to play out his current deal left, but he's got the final year left on his deal. And the Seattle needs to resign him to a big deal. And now Adams has all the leverage there. So it's a really interesting move. It's a real win-now move from Seattle. And for what it's worth, I do think this could be great news for the Saints because it would seem to take Seattle out of the Jadavian Clowney running leaving the Titans and the Browns and the Saints as the most likely suitors, at least in my opinion. And and Clowney would be such a huge get for New Orleans. Okay, but that is the news. It is time for a mock draft. All right, so this mock draft is live. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live! Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! But the picks that are not mine are automated. In the interest of time, they are simulated, which has two benefits. First, I don't have to wait on everybody in a traditional mock draft lobby to make their picks. 
And second, I can trust that the AI will be making decent enough picks to where it should simulate one of your drafts. Like that, That's one of the big problems with doing a regular mock draft on the mainstream sites is with actual people, they're so easy because people just make ridiculous picks at times and also because usually half the people are gone by like round seven. So in my first mock draft, I think it was episode three. If you want to check that out, I used a full PPR setting here. Today, it was also a 12-team league. I had the 12-team pick. I had the 12th pick in that one. Today, I'm using half-point PPR settings. The starting lineup is still quarterback, running back, running back, receiver, receiver, tight end, flex, defense, kicker. So standard starting lineup or the default starting lineup for most mainstream leagues. But this mock will be done from a half PPR point setting. Again, I will have pick six out of 12. Okay, I'm clicking launch draft now, which will begin the simulation. So let's see. Okay, first five picks. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas. Two Saints in a row. And there are no surprises there. That is the standard industry top five. And it's the top five you'll see in most experts' drafts. And it's probably the top five you'll see in your draft. And I, I, I kind of spoke about, or I should mention that Dalvin Cook reportedly was going to show up to camp when Courtney Cronin of ESPN was asked, um, she asked Mike Zimmer if Dalvin Cook was going to show up. And Mike Zimmer said that Cook told him he was going to show up. But then Dalvin Cook's agent came out and said he refuted all of that. So I didn't include it in my news above. I'm mentioning it now because there is a chance that Dalvin Cook will end his holdout situation soon. And he's kind of dropped a couple of picks in average draft position because of this holdout. Uh, but until that's cleared up, I'm going to have to go with probably Derrick Henry over Dalvin Cook. I would see those guys at about equal if Cook wasn't holding out. But with that large question looming, I'm not going to take that risk. So I'm on the clock. The best available players are obviously Dalvin Cook. You have Derrick Henry. Uh, Devontae Adams and Julio Jones are there. But there's also that big group of tier two running backs where you have Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. Uh, my hope is that one of those guys fall to me in round two. And I think most experts kind of see Joe Mixon as their top guy in that group. Uh, I think a lot of experts are kind of grappling over the Derrick Henry versus Joe Mixon debate. I'm not really one of them. I favor Henry pretty clearly. I think he's on a better team, better offensive line. He's the identity of the offense. And, and Mixon also just wasn't that great last season. Right, I mean, I know the Bengals were kind of a dumpster fire, but you know, I charted him at RB19 in points per game with 14.1 points per game. He did close the season strong, Joe Mixon did, in his final eight games after the bye week. 177 carries, 817 yards, five touchdowns, 4.6 yards a carry. He also had 15 catches for 177 receiving yards in that span. And he that was good enough to be the RB8 pace on 18, just over 18 points per game in fantasy. So RB8 pace, which is really good, top 10 running back. However, Derrick Henry was even better down the stretch. You can't even really use that argument for Joe Mixon over Derrick Henry. Again, Derrick Henry's final 12 games, and these are the 12 games with Tannehill, including playoffs, 273 carries, 1,570 yards, 14 touchdowns on 5.7 yards a carry. 
he averaged 22.5 points per game in fantasy and was the RB2 pace. So, you know, I'd actually even prefer Derrick Henry to Michael Thomas in this format. And, and I love starting with a running back this year. So I'm kind of thrilled that he's available here and I won't hes- hesitate. Henry is the pick. So here we go. So let me give the simulated picks here. Dalvin Cook was the next pick. Devontae Adams, Julio Jones. Julio, get the stretch. Then Joe Mixon. And then 11th overall, Kenyon Drake. Boy, I'm really starting to dislike the Drake. Hate the Drake. <laughs> and then Tyree Kill, Lamar Jackson. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. 13th overall, first quarterback off the board. That is high. Except I think that will be a common trait where people picking late in round one, early in round two. In most casual leagues, I expect to see Lamar Jackson go off the board around there. Josh Jacobs was after, Travis Kelsey was after that, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and then now I'm on the clock. I mentioned all those tier two running backs. Out of all of them, only Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders are still available. And I'm not in love with either of them this season. I've made that pretty clear on prior episodes. I think the Miles Sanders hype is, the hype train's getting a little out of control and he, he finished strongly as RB7. I think it was weeks 11 through 17 after Jordan Howard went down. And the team featured Sanders as their lead back. But Boston Scott, kind of a Darren Sproles clone, he was also involved. And Doug Peterson has a history of running back by committee. So the Eagles also had no other pass catchers. And they were, they were just all hurt during that time. So Sanders was the only guy. And not to mention Sanders' great games, you know, it's kind of a red flag in terms of a game logging perspective. I found that they were all against, you know, his three best games by far were against the Miami Dolphins, who were arguably tanking, the Dallas Cowboys, who had no defense whatsoever, and the Washington Redskins, who, you know, obviously had the number two pick in the draft. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket on the Miles Sanders hype train over here. I spot the train. I'm taking it out. But those are the negatives. Those are why I'm, I'm not really in love with him. Um, but I do think that he's you know worth a second-round pick. And as far as Austin Eckler, I'm a little more weary about Eckler. Phillip Rivers' departure will likely loom large for Eckler. And the entire Chargers offense. And I'm leaning Sanders here because I think that he's a safer play than Eckler. And, and they're both pretty talented, it seems. But Sanders... With him, I'm getting the better team, better offense, much better quarterback, much better offensive line. There's, there's just a lot more for Austin Eckler to overcome to be a top 10 running back than there is for Sanders. So I'm probably going to go with Sanders with this pick. I think that the the opening start of Derrick Henry and D- Miles Sanders sounds very attractive. And the, the other options here could be Pat Mahomes. He's available. And that's, that's kind of tempting. George Kittle is obviously also tempting. This is pick 19 overall. But I think this is about as late as you will see Miles Sanders go. So I, I'm not in love with the pick, but I am kind of in love with starting two running backs in a row this year. And, and I like kind of looking at, I like the thought of having Derrick Henry and Miles Sanders. So I'm going to go with Sanders here. Yeah, let's do it. As you can tell, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hugely confident on that pick. But... We will go early. We will go with it because I think it gives me more flexibility later in the draft if I secure running backs early. So let's see. Let's let's see what we have. The simulation here. Okay, Austin Eckler actually went the next pick, 
and then Pat Mahomes. So two guys I was kind of considering there. Uh, Chris Godwin, George Kittle, and then the end of round two, that uh, team one who took Christian McCaffrey ended up taking Kenny Galladay and Mike Evans back-to-back at the turn. Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel-Air. At 25 overall, or sorry, that's 26. And then you have Allen Robinson, James Conner, David Johnson. So if I wanted to take another running back there, James Conner and David Johnson would have been options for my pick. They are both gone. So now the best available running back on the board is Melvin Gordon. And I've already taken two, so I'm not going to force this here. So I'm leaning wide receiver with this pick. And the wide receiver board is pretty spectacular here with a bunch of great talents. Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett. I, I, the list goes on. So I, I can make an easy case, uh, easy top 12 case for all of them. The ones that really kind of stand out to me, at least in round three, are Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, and Odell Beckham. Because I think they possess the most significant upside, and they're also all supremely talented. Cooper is a really polarizing player in the expert community because he had such a great start. I mean, he was a top three fantasy wide receiver. In fact, I believe he was number two after Michael Thomas through the first half of last season. And that was before injuries kind of plagued the second half of the season. And then the Cowboys also drafted CeeDee Lamb in round one. So Cooper, you know, you can argue a great option for him and a great option against him. Um, Odell Beckham was terrible last year. I mean, he was dreadful, a huge bust. And I think he finished as the wide receiver 35 in points per game. I think that's what I had him at last season, where he battled a sports hernia issue. He battled a horrific offense all around. He finished third in air yard, so he was targeted a lot, but he was just never on the same page with Baker Mayfield. And again, he was a huge flop in his first season in Cleveland, but he remains a bounce back candidate because he's likely a top five talent his position. So if you're betting on talent, but also he's reportedly healthy and he's got a year under his belt with Baker Mayfield that can work out some of their chemistry issues. And I think Kevin Stefanski will come in and run a better offense and treat him like the big play threat that he is, kind of like Stefanski tr- treated Stefan Diggs. Now, that probably won't mean a lot of volume for Odell Beckham. I think Cleveland is obviously going to be a run-first team. They could be one of the more run-heavy teams in the entire NFL. With that said, I like that there's kind of limited targets there. I mean, you kind of know what you're getting from the Cleveland passing game. There's, there's Odell Beckham and there's Jarvis Landry. They don't really have a good wide receiver three. They were even talking about trotting Kareem Hunt there in the slot. And then, you know, who's to really say how much they're going to use Austin Hooper? So I think Odell Beckham would be a big part of this offense. Yeah, he's definitely a bounce-back candidate. But the volume in that run-first offense is definitely a concern. And it's also concerning, you know, we don't really know how good Baker Mayfield is. I mean, he was good his rookie season. He was terrible last year. So it's just tough to say. So, you know, Adam Thielen and Juju Smith-Schuster, I've discussed them at length. You know, they could be target hogs in their offenses. Thielen, you know, is assuming that number one receiver role stands Stefan Digg. And, you know, he could be outstanding as long as his hamstring holds up. He's 30 years old. So that's kind of concerning. Same thing for Juju. He's, he's younger, obviously a lot younger than Adam Thielen. Uh, but I trust him to have a big year with the caveat that, of course, his quarterback, Big Ben, has to stay healthy. Right. And that's not a given. 
as we saw last year and with his age and with all the injuries he's racked up over the years. So I like all four of these guys in round three. I've taken Thielen and, and Juju at the end of round three in quite a few mocks so far. So I'm going to mix it up here. I'm going to take Odell Beckham and hope that he regains his previous form. So right now I'm opening up with Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, and Odell Beckham as my starting three picks. So let's read rounds three and four real quick. Uh, Amari Cooper was the next pick, then Melvin Gordon, then Todd Gurley. Then Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, Chris Carson at the turn, then Leonard Fournette, DJ Moore, Robert Woods, Mark Andrews, who was the third tight end off the board, Calvin Ridley, Jonathan Taylor, uh, rookie running back for the Colts, and now I am on the clock right here. And immediately, I mean, the first thing I notice is there are just so many great receivers on the board. And this is pick 43 overall, round four. And Tyler Lockett catches my eyes. He may be my favorite of the bunch. But there's also his teammate, DK Metcalf. Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Scary Terry McLaurin. T.Y. Hilton, that's, what is that, five? That's, that's six guys right there that I'd be more than comfortable with as my wide receiver two behind Odell Beckham. And Cortland Sutton is also there as well. And he's actually higher than a lot of these guys on this site's rankings or on this, this draft list. The best available running back is Le'Veon Bell. Yikes. And, and that's just a... Hard pill. It's really an impossible pill for me to swallow, taking Le'Veon Bill with all these great receivers on the board. And not with Adam Gates running this show. You know, not with the Jets having four new starters along the offensive line who have never played together, you know, in this shortened offseason where communication may be key. Adam Gase is the worst. The worst. You know, we've seen several talented players leave Adam Gase and then break out. Not to mention you know, Gase's relationship with Le'Veon Bell is rocky to begin with, to say the least. He never really wanted to sign him there. There were rumors by Jets reporters, I think Rich uh, Samini, that said that he could be put on the trade block if the Jets start slowly next season. You know, Le'Veon Bell is just not someone that I would get excited drafting about. That I haven't even mentioned that the Jets brought in Frank Gore, and he's kind of this coach's pet. And he just does everything right in practice. And he's got this great work ethic. And even if he makes it back to like the line of scrimmage and just falls forward, and that's what he can do at this point of his career, you know, everywhere he's gone, coaches have given this guy touches. I mean, they love Frank Gore. And he mentioned wanting to play for Adam Gase with the Jets as one of the reasons that he signed with New York. So I I give credit for Le'Veon Bell kind of gutting it out last season in in a total horrendous situation. He was one of the only players arguably trying for the Jets last year, but I I just don't trust this offense at all. He was running back 18 in points per game. He is due for positive touchdown regression. I I think he had like four total touchdowns or three total touchdowns on three over 300 touches last year. And that was a stat in Matthew Barry's 100 facts article. I just still can't get him bored. I don't, I especially don't want to force it here because I already have two running backs. It may be different if I was going zero RB or if I had only drafted one running back 
so far. But the receivers here are just much more attractive options. But wait, let's see. Because Mark Andrews just got taken and Zach Ertz is on the board. And I want to actually see if I can get one. I mentioned that there's like six receivers that I can get that I would like. So I want to actually look at the people beyond me, the teams beyond me, and see if I can get one, if one of those receivers will fall to me. So let's see. There's like six of them here. Cortland Sutton is also ranked higher, and that's important. It, it's possible I can get one in round five. Let me see which teams in between my pick and my next pick need a wide receiver. Team one already took Kenny Galladay and Mike Evans, so they probably won't take a receiver. So I'm clear there. Team two doesn't have a receiver yet, however. So I'm assuming they might take two. So team, that's two receivers right there. So team three already took Godwin, Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson. So they already have two. They might not take another receiver here. And then team four, and a reminder, all these teams actually picked twice before I go back on the clock. Team four, they do not have a wide receiver yet. They open with Kamara, Pat Mahomes, and James Conner. So that could be... If the two teams that don't have receivers take two, let's assume that happens. That's four wide receivers right there. And then the fifth team here, team five has Michael Thomas, but two running backs after, so they could go wide receiver. So yeah, probably five receivers, maybe six at most. So as long as Cortland Sutton, who I don't really want, as long as he's one of them, which I can kind of assume that he will because I think he's the second of, second ranked receiver on the board right now, then I should get... Whoever falls out of Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper. Um, oh, sorry, not Amari Cooper. I was reading Cooper. Cooper Cup, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, and T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I can get one of them, assuming all six of those guys don't go. And then a seventh would be Cortland Sutton if he's in the mix there. So, yeah, let's. I have the flexibility, I think, to go tight end here. And I'm going to use that flexibility. I'm going to go with Zach Ertz because of the steep drop-off after Ertz in my board for the next avail- for the tight end five. So, yeah, and none of the quarterbacks, Russ Wilson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, and Watson, none of them have gone. None of the tier two quarterbacks have gone. So, yeah, I think Zach Ertz should be the pick here. I think I can grab Ertz and secure the tight end spot with a safe pick who I know will wind up being top six in his position. And then I can grab whichever wide receiver falls, at least according to my to my projections, if you know, it'll probably be T.Y. Hilton or Scary Terry McLaurin that fall to me because they're kind of at the end of the line. Hopefully only like four or five go. But Zach Ertz is not going to make it back to me, on the other hand. So let's go with Ertz. So we've already hit simulate here. Okay, so there were six receivers taken in that gap, which was really cutting it close. I figured there'd be four or five. And luckily, Cortland Sutton was one of those receivers, which allows... It's DK Metcalf to fall to me at 54 overall. So let me say that picks. Tyler Lockett went after my pick at Zach Ertz, then Cooper Cup, then A.J. Brown, then Cortland Sutton, and then Le'Veon Bell, Terry McLaurin, T.Y. Hilton, Devin Singletary, DeAndre Swift. Russ Wilson. So third quarterback off the board was Russ Wilson. Now I'm on the clock. DK Metcalf is the only player that I mentioned of those wide receivers that end up falling. I think he's the obvious pick here, and I think I made the smart move by taking Zach Ertz in the previous round because I probably would have taken Tyler Lockett 
if given the choice among the receivers, if Ertz had been off the board. And there's there's not a huge difference, in my opinion, between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So the fact that I can wait a whole round, secure a tight end, a great tight end like Zach Ertz, and then get Metcalf, that is that is prime right there. Um, let's see. I mean, Metcalf, this is pick 43. And in, in Metcalf's final 11 games, he scored 14.2 points per game. It was wide receiver 26 pace, which isn't great, but I think we can all see the upside that Metcalf has here as a physical freak of nature. And he could obviously exceed that pace, seeing as he was only a rookie last year. And he's got a great quarterback. It is a run-heavy offense. Seattle's probably the one of the most run-oriented offenses in the league. But there's so limited receiving options for Russ Wilson. I mean, it's really only he, like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and that's it. I mean, the big things could be ahead for Metcalf. And I, I just think this is an easy pick, so I won't spend too much more time on it. So yeah, this is a, this is a no-brainer, really, to take DK Metcalf in round five. So, so let's go on to round six. Let's read the picks here. We have, after Metcalf, there was David Montgomery. Ew, David. Kyler Murray, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt. Cam Akers, Devontae Parker, Darren Waller, who is the fifth tight end taken, then Dak Prescott, who is the sixth quarterback taken, DJ Chark. That is really late for DJ Chark. I mean, man, I would have really, you know, he was actually, had I even noticed he was on the board, he would have actually been in consideration between, that's a good debate, between DK Metcalf and DJ Chark, but I didn't even... I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't even really see that he was on the board. So I just kind of lost him in in everything here. So he went, yeah, wow. I mean, he went very late. We're talking round six here. Um, Tyler Boyd, Stephon Diggs, Deshaun Watson. So now all of the tier two quarterbacks, Russ Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, not in that order, but they're all gone. So quarterback's not really an option here. Tight end's not really an option uh, this is my 67th overall pick um, at round six. Quarterback, not an option. Tight end, not an option. I have right now two running backs, two receivers, and one tight end. So I'm very balanced. The board's pretty open here. The top-rated running back on this draft board right now is Mark Ingram, and the top-rated receiver is Keenan Allen. There's also two other receivers I like. A.J. Green and Will Fuller are also there, and I actually have both of them higher on my board than Keenan Allen. And it might be, that might sound crazy, but I'm just pretty low. I discussed why I'm pretty low on Keenan Allen. You know, he's in a position on my draft board where I don't think I'm going to have any Keenan Allen shares. And it it has nothing to do with his talent. It's just, I think that the Chargers project to be a low passing volume, kind of slow pace offense that will try to hide Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert's quarterback or passing deficiencies in the air and they're going to rely on their great defense to kind of win games. And whereas I think the Bengals... We're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. And the Texans, for that matter, if you're going Will Fuller, but I'm leaning A.J. Green here. The Bengals are going to be airing it out. And, and head coach Zach Taylor comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree. You know, I mentioned that the last time we saw A.J. Green healthy, I mentioned this, in, I think, two episodes ago, he was on wide receiver three pace through eight games in 2018, the first half of 2018. And that was the last time we've seen him play football. So if Green is healthy, and he is reporting to camp now, which is great. There's no contract issue, I hope. 
Um, if he is healthy, we have potential to see a top 12 wide receiver. So I think A.J. Green's going a little too late in drafts. So I'm, I'm going to go with A.J. Green here, especially because, you know, I've, I've made it clear that I do like Will Fuller a lot. I think it's possible that I can get Will Fuller in round seven. So I'm going to go, well, let's look at the running backs first. So I have A.J. Green over Keenan Allen and, and Will Fuller right now. But if you look at the running backs here, Mark Ingram, I mentioned, was available. And the reason he's kind of catching my eyes because there's kind of this massive drop-off after Mark Ingram to where, and he was just so good last season. If Ingram is anything like he was last season, Ingram is clearly the way to go here. Uh, but things have changed, right? The, the Ravens have drafted J.K. Dobbins in round two. They lost their all-world offensive guard, Marshall Yonda, to retirement. And he's their best offensive lineman by far. Actually, I shouldn't say that because Ronnie Stanley is, is a hell of a player as well. But Mark Ingram had 15 touchdowns, and, and the vast majority of that came inside the five-yard line. If he's not getting those goal line touchdowns, they swing Lamar Jackson's way or another running back's way, that will not be pretty. And five of his touchdowns actually came through the air, even though he was barely targeted in the passing game last year. So that's unsustainable for sure especially if if J.K. Dobbins kind of takes over passing down rolls in the second half of the season, which I kind of expect him to. The Ravens' offense as a whole could regress, and they could be in scoring position a lot less. And I mentioned a few times already that there's this great stat, I think it's by Hayden Winks, where the Ravens trailed on only 19% of their offensive plays last year. That is amazing game script and positive game flow for Mark Ingram last season. And you won't get that type of game flow, I'm assuming at least, next season. So, you know, Mark Ingram was awesome last season, but I do support the idea that he is going in round five through seven. And I'm not going to chase last year's stats. You know, I think I already missed the boat on Mark Ingram. So I'm going to go with A.J. Green here. You know, doing that, I love looking at my wide receivers right now because my wide receivers, you know, I clearly have this all upside team right now. My wide receivers are Odell Beckham, DK Metcalf and AJ Green and and the talent and the sheer physical ability and and gifted athleticism of those guys is just remarkable. Like I'm salivating over it. It, It's very, it's awesome. The great upside out of those three picks. So let's go to, let's go to the, or let me read the picks that went in between my next pick, who I have no idea I'm going to, I'm going to take here. Will Fuller went the next pick. After AJ Green, so no chance of him falling to round seven here. I will make note of that. Julian Edelman, Michael Gallup, Giddy up. Damian Williams, Ronald Jones, Mark Ingram went after Ronald Jones and Damian Williams. So Mark Ingram slid very low in this mo- round seven for Mark Ingram. That's about as low as I've seen him. Marquise Brown, that's Mark Ingram's teammate. He went also in round seven right after Evan Ingram at tight end six. Darius Geis, pretty high, I would say, for Darius Geis in round seven. Tyler Higby, that is tight end seven, I think. And now I'm on the clock. So here we are. Had I not taken Zach Ertz here and this tight end run had started, where we've seen in the last round or two, we've seen Darren Waller go off the board. We've seen Evan Ingram. We've seen Tyler Higby go a pick before me. This would be a perfect spot to hit Jared Cook, I think, because I kind of have a drop-off after Cook in my tight end rankings. And we are at pick 78 overall. This is round seven for reference. So 
it would be a good spot to take Jared Cook, but he is, or sorry, I don't really need him. Obviously, I have Zach Ertz, who's, who's a better option there. There's one player that's immediately kind of catching my eye, and that is Raheem Mostert. And I think the only reason he's really catching my eye is because I just spoke about him in the news. I mentioned the breaking news. You know, he was in the midst of that contract dispute with San Fran, and he wanted more money to be paid like a starter. And it's unclear at this point whether he did get paid by as a starter or what the increase in salary was, what the agreement was. Um, he had requested to be traded, but Adam Schefter, again, just reported that they have restructured the deal and he will not be holding out or, or, or demanding a trade. So this is kind of, this trade request kind of pushed his average draft position down a few rounds, as I mentioned, because of the uncertainty. And now it seems like the rest of this AI or computer simulated draft has no idea about this breaking news and they haven't had enough time to make the adjustments. So I'm just going to take advantage of this right here. I'm going to take Raheem Mostert. And I know some of you might be thinking that's a real cheap shot there, but he is available in round seven. I think that his average draft position, it will move back to like round five, but I can't really pass him up right now. And as a reminder, Mostert exploded for, I think it was 117 carries, 715 yards and 11 scores. And that was just on the ground, 6.1 yards a carry in the final eight games, including playoffs. And then he also reported reportedly put on some muscle this offseason in order to shoulder, you know, more of a workload. And, you know, this is obviously a great system to invest in with Kyle Shanahan uh, with a great offensive line. Kyle Shanahan has been known to ride the hot hand. And he did do that with Tevin Coleman in the divisional round against Minnesota, where Raheem Moser kind of took a backseat to Coleman out of nowhere. So that frustration still exists. But we're at a point in the draft where there's no running back with more upside. And prior to this news, I probably would have still taken Raheem Mostert over. The other guy I would be considering right here is J.K. Dobbins. But the fact that Mostert is in his holdout and the Niners have shown good faith to want to keep Mostert, I'm definitely going to go with Mostert over here over J.K. Dobbins. I'll also, in doing that, I'll give Mark Ingram some respect uh, and assume that he'll you know, J.K. Dobbins won't totally break out as a rookie since I did pass up on Mark Ingram uh, earlier for A.J. Green. So I'll give him some respect here. So let's move on. Let's see. After Keenan Allen was the pick after mine. And to be honest, I didn't even notice he was on the board. So that was dumb by me. However, I probably still would have taken Raheem Mostert there. But Keenan Allen, you know, second half of round seven. This is a perfect example of how he could drop because of his lack of quarterback play, I should say. A lot of people are uncomfortable with that. So he could be a guy that slides in your draft. So if you have Keenan Allen just maybe around lower than ADP or you even agree with his average draft position, then Keenan Allen, is, I imagine, is probably going to end up on a lot of your teams because I do think he's going to be in a pretty unpopular, kind of unsexy pick in a lot of fantasy leagues this season. So here he went... What was it? Pick 79 overall. That's very late for Keenan Allen, uh, considering the talent. So after that, Keyshawn Vaughn, Tariq Cohen, J.K. Dobbins, there he is. Uh, Debo Samuel, Marvin Jones. See, I'm starving like Marvin, girl. Sony Michelle at the turn. Jared Cook. Um, Tom Brady goes here. Josh Allen. 
Jordan Howard, Deontay Johnson, and now I am on the clock. This is pick, let's see, round eight, pick 91 overall. So I have three running backs, three receivers, and one tight end. The running backs that are available at this point are all, you know, they seem like they're backups. I definitely would have taken, I'm kind of upset that Josh Allen quarterback just went, and he went three picks ahead of me. Somehow Tom Brady went over him, and, you know, Josh Allen probably would have been my pick here had he lasted to 91 overall in round eight. Yeah, he. I mean, I can almost say with certainty that he would have been my pick. So now, you know, I'm just kind of looking at best player available here. You know, a receiver that's interesting here is Christian Kirk. You know, he's an interesting option because, you know, if you want to be contrarian or pivot from the DeAndre Hopkins hype in Arizona, you know, Kirk didn't do that much with an expanded role last season. He battled a minor injury for a bit, and Kyler Murray was a rookie. Um, Hopkins' arrival could free up coverage for Christian Kirk. And it's possible possibility, at least, that he's suited best as a number two receiver and he'll get the luxury of not being shadowed by number one corners. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. You know, they still have Larry Fitzgerald, but Kirk could be a nice little post-hype sleeper here. Henry Ruggs is a guy that's, you know, I've mentioned that I'm intrigued by. You know, Mecole Hardman is a, is a similar type of speedster, the big play guys, definitely enticing picks. Um, I, I am pretty comfortable with my wide receivers and I'm looking at other positions as well. And maybe one of those guys will actually make it back to me. I kind of had to scroll down on the rankings list to look to go find them. You know, Matt Ryan is my top-rated quarterback on the board. And I do have somewhat of a drop-off, a pretty sizable drop-off after Matt Ryan to where players go like Carson Wentz and Tom Brady. Actually, Brady's already gone. But Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz. You know, I have Matt Ryan above all of them, and I have a sizable drop-off in between Ryan and those guys who I consider kind of a in, in the same tier. So I'm actually going to snag Matt Ryan here. Let's see. Actually, let's see if I can wait. I don't want to make the mistake that I advised y'all not to make last a few rounds ago, especially because this is a onesie position. So you can easily check to see other teams if they are they're, the teams that are drafting between my next pick and now, if they need a quarterback, because if they have one already, they're definitely not going to take Matt Ryan. So I'm hoping that all of these teams, teams one through five, the teams picking twice between my picks, if they all have quarterbacks, I'm actually going to wait on Matt Ryan, even though I really do want him here, uh, because I, I'm betting that they don't take a quarterback when they already have one, or if they do. And already, immediately, that strategy's been thwarted because the first team that I looked at is Team 1, and they do not have a quarterback yet. And Team 2 also doesn't have a quarterback yet. And Team 3 doesn't have a quarterback yet. So, wow, this was just a a good idea in theory by me, but I obviously was not paying attention to that part of the draft. Team 4 does have Pat Mahomes, and Team 5 does have Russell Wilson. So it's mainly teams one through three that, but they pick twice each before my next pick. And Matt Ryan is most certainly going to go to one of those teams if I if I allow him to. So I'm going to go ahead and take Matt Ryan right now. And again, you know, we do that exercise, or I do that exercise a lot, no matter what, you know. And I and I normally do it even before I'm about to pick because the clock is ticking. You know, you only have like a minute and thirty when you're on the clock in a real draft. 
You only have 90 seconds in usual in a live draft to make your pick. So you can't wait until your pick before you start looking at the best of overall players. You need to be having players in your queue and you need to already be looking at, if it's a onesie position like this, you need to be already looking at which teams behind your next pick do have quarterbacks and do have tight ends so you can get the lay of the land, so you can make your picks the most efficient they can possibly be. So this is not just a strategy to employ when you know, you're doing a podcast and you have you know, 50 minutes to talk about your draft. No, this is a strategy you need to be doing during your draft and even before you're on the clock, so that way you're not wasting or you don't run out of time during your 90 seconds to pick. So anyway, I took Matt Ryan. Let's read the picks after Matt Ryan. Daryl Henderson, which I think is, is, is somewhat laughable as I've described in prior episodes. Hunter Henry, James White, Drew Brees just went. So yeah, that's there it is right there. That's all I would have needed to kind of justify that pick because all it would have taken is one quarterback. Now I don't know for sure if Drew Brees would have if that guy wouldn't if it wasn't a huge Saints fan and wouldn't have taken Drew Brees over Matt Ryan, but you know that alone was risky enough to let Matt Ryan. If I had a tear, you know, if I had a tear drop or a steep drop off after Matt Ryan, risky enough to even if one court team took a quarterback, I didn't want to take that chance. So Drew Brees went. Rob Gronkowski went after Drew Brees. And then Carson went. So there's another quarterback right there. So I was right on the money by timing this quarterback run. Zach Moss, uh, Tony Pollard, Christian Kirk just went. I was kind of hoping he would make it back to me. And then Henry Ruggs. So the two receivers that I mentioned that I was eyeing uh, did go. So Nicole Hardman, the third receiver, is on the board, actually. So I could take him here. Uh, I am on the clock. It is... Round nine, it is pick 102, so we're in the hundreds now. Um, my team has three receivers, three running backs, one tight end, one quarterback, so totally balanced. My And, and I'm not saying you have to. I keep mentioning that I'm balanced here, but I mean, you don't have to be balanced at this point. You don't have to be trying to fill out your starting lineup. That's just how this one went. So my, the board is open, however. Christian Kirk and Ruggs are gone, which would have been my two top prospects there. Hardman is there, like I mentioned. That running back is pretty much all handcuffs. Derek Henry's handcuffs, who is my first pick, is Darrington Evans, and that's a little too early for him. Miles Sanders' handcuff would be Boston Scott, and that's kind of a viable option at this point. Uh, I've been seeing him going around the 110s, 120s, and and expert drafts. So, yeah, I could see that. My favorite handcuff here, however, is Alexander Madison. I mean, he's the guy that's kind of like jumping off the page. Like, you know, every time you're doing a mock draft, or doing a real draft, there's always somebody who you look at who's just kind of, you know, jumping off the screen or or is kind of who your eyes keep reverting back to or kind of your gut feeling pick. And here, to me, that is Alexander Madison. And normally I hate going against my gut, but there's another player, if I scroll down a little, uh, Tevin Coleman is just so attractive here from a strategic standpoint because of the fact that I already drafted Raheem Mostert and I could be securing a very valuable backfield in San Francisco, and if one of them goes down, or you know, I guess we can't say if Mostert holds out anymore, but if one of them goes down, you know, the other would likely be a top 15 option. I think that Tevin Coleman's likely the smarter play here, though I do, although I will admit that I have Madison ranked higher in my rankings on my board than Coleman in general, but based on the team I've drafted, 
I feel much more comfortable with taking Coleman here from a strategic standpoint. And I do think you have to make those types of adjustments while drafting. So that could be, this is, could be a good illustration with, you know, how you don't always have to follow your own rankings or your own board. There are certain things that can happen in the draft that make you deviate. Or it could be a terrible illustration because maybe Dalvin Cook does hold out and, and Alexander Madison ends up being a league winner this year. And I pass on him for Tevin Coleman, who right now is a backup running back. So either way, you know, that, that could work out both ways. You know, this could be a frustrating situation because Kyle Shanahan can be very fickle, right? I mean, he can play musical chairs with these guys during games, as we've seen in the playoffs. But if, if one of Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman really asserts themselves as the better back or the other one gets hurt, you know, their flex options at minimum. And, you know, if the Niners running game is actually as good as it was last year, honestly, both of them could be startable in some like cupcake matchups. So let's go Tevin Coleman over Alexander Madison here. And all right, so lock it up. I've locked up that great San Francisco backfield. Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman will kind of split the work. Whoever kind of wins the majority there, which hopefully it becomes predictable on a week-to-week basis, but whoever kind of wins the majority there, I will use as my RB3. So let's see. We're going to round 10 now. Um, This has flown by. Maybe not for y'all, but for me, round 10, pick 115. And at this point, I have four running backs, three receivers. At this point, I'm kind of leaning towards wide receiver here, especially because there's just no good running backs on the board. I I should mention that Alexander Madison did get taken on the turn. Let me mention all the players that got taken. Uh, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, so two Giants receivers. McCall Hardman went. Phillip Lindsay, Alexander Madison, C.D. Lamb, Marlon Mack. Boston Scott, Duke Johnson, Matt Breida. So big running back run there. Jamison Crowder, Emmanuel Sanders. So now I'm on the clock. Uh, Again, at pick 115, round 10. My boy John Brown is there. I've loved him for so many years. He finally broke out last year. But I'm afraid that the addition of Stephon Diggs is going to make him very inconsistent. I'm not really sure Josh Allen can support both Stephon Diggs and John Brown. You know, Curtis Samuel is on the board. and He's a nice post-hype sleeper. I love Samuel going into last year. And, and he didn't really get a huge opportunity. Well, I should, I should actually, I should say that he did get a huge opportunity. But his opportunities that he got sucked because it was coming from Kyle Allen. Uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, I think, led the league in uncatchable targets last year. And he had some like 11 deep balls that were inaccurately thrown where he was just wide open. Uh, according to like next gen stats, or Curtis Samuel is it could be similar to Christian Kirk, where I mentioned earlier, where he could be a post hype sleeper, but it's hard to really you know bank on that with Teddy Bridgewater running the show. Although I do like you know the the potential offense that Joe Brady, the offense new offense coordinator from LSU, the potential offense that he might run if Curtis Samuel is used in the slot there, a la Justin Jefferson was last year in LSU's offense. Curtis Samuel could be a big hit. But we don't know if if he's going to move DJ Moore around there and, and have him play that role. So um, another guy who's on the board is is Robbie Anderson, so a fellow Carolina Panther, Curtis Samuel's teammate. I'm not interested in him at all. He's high in the rankings here, on the draft rankings at least, uh, not on mine. Uh, Jerry Judy I mentioned already. I like that rookies are available because there's it's kind of an unknown. He could end up being like this 
great NFL player, uh, but they have a lot of mouths to feed in Denver. It's Cortland Sutton, Melvin Gordon, KJ Hamler. They drafted the speedster out of Penn State. Noah Fant is there is there you know second year tight end. He's going to get more targets, uh, and then that's all for Drew Locke, who's kind of an unproven. He's also an unknown at quarterback. So I'm going to pass on Jerry Judy, the receiver that is actually second in the rankings here behind John Brown that I haven't mentioned is Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks, and y'all probably are sitting there being like, oh my gosh, you're not seriously going to take Brandon Cooks, are you? And yeah, I think that I am. I realize that Cooks has five concussions and he did absolutely nothing last season. He was phased out of the offense. I think the Rams were so, he sustained two concussions last year and that was his fourth and fifth concussions in the league. I think the Rams were so scared to play him full time after his fourth concussion that they just kind of let him go exercise out there and just go run routes to where he wasn't really a focal point of the offense. He wasn't seriously getting targeted as a member of this offense. And they were kind of probably a little intimidated or scared to trot him out there. And that's hence why they put him on the trade block and tried to trade him. And of course, Bill O'Brien, you know, the dumb coach for the Texans over here, just, of course, just sees that the Rams are desperate to trade this five concussion receiver and just spends a high draft capital. I think it was a second round pick on Brandon Cooks and his expensive salary. And, you know, I, I will mention, you know, those are all the negatives, but it was it was a wash season. He's obviously a really high injury risk, but, you know, you can spin it positively because Bill O'Brien did spend high draft, draft capital to acquire Brandon Cooks. You know, they lost a lot of targets because DeAndre Hopkins was traded. And Cooks, for all, you know, it seems like he's been in the league forever, but he's only 27 years old. And he's, as far as I know, that he's, he's still really fast. And Deshaun Watson is one of the best vertical passers in the NFL. He's got one of the best deep balls in the game. He could mesh really well with Brandon Cooks. And I've mentioned, you know, Cooks has been a 1,000-yard receiver for three different teams. So he's been productive on the Saints. He's been productive on the Patriots. He's been productive with the Rams. Cooks was a fourth round pick last year. So I kind of like, you know, that the discount or the value from that perspective. And the other issue is I keep mentioning, you know, the five concussions, which is very dangerous. And yeah, he presents a huge injury risk. But the other side of the coin in terms of injury risk is Will Fuller, right? I've talked about him at length about how he's one of the biggest injury risks in the game. And if Will Fuller doesn't stay healthy for the whole season, which he has never done, then Brandon Cooks could be the guy for Deshaun Watson. So in round 10, you know, that's the upside. That's the home run hitter that we're trying, the type of player that we're trying to look for here. Because if he turns out to be Deshaun Watson's, one of the best quarterbacks in the leagues with the best, one of the best arms and deep throws in the league, if he turns out to be his guy or Will Fuller gets hurt, then Brandon Cooks, could be a tremendous, tremendous value. So he fits the prototype of the type of picks that I'm looking for here at this point in drafts. You know, once I get to near the hundreds, I am only swinging for home runs here. I don't really have him really high on my board necessarily, like higher than ADP, but I think that he's fallen a bit here. Yeah, I'm going to look right here. Yeah, he's ranked 97th on this site's rankings and I'm picking at 115. So yeah, he's actually fallen. So I'm going to take advantage of the discount here. I'll take him. Um, another receiver I was looking at was Deshaun Jackson. And you can make a lot of the same arguments I just used with Brandon Cooks 
you can make with Deshaun Jackson. Similar type of player, just a deep threat, you know, has a quarterback who can throw, you know, a hell of a deep ball. And Deshaun Jackson is ranked 136th on this site. So I felt like I could have taken Cooks and then maybe Deshaun in the next round, you know, take them back to back. And then maybe one of them will hit, one of them will pan out. And that's all I'm asking for. That would be great. And then I get, you know, a really good flex option or at best even a wide receiver two in round 10 and 11. But it looks like Deshaun Jackson did not make it back to me. So let me read the picks here. Sterling Shepard, Latavius Murray, Jerry Judy, John Brown, Preston Williams, Robbie Anderson. There's Curtis Samuel, Matt Stafford. There's Deshaun Jackson right there, two picks before me. And then Naheem Hines. So I'm on the clock, and it is round 11. My plan did not work. Deshaun Jackson got whapped. The running backs are all strictly backups here. So I don't know. There's a good bit of receivers, though. I would still draft his flyers. Guys like Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, uh, Anthony Miller is a guy that I've been targeting late. There's a lot of receivers. There is one running back that I'm looking at here that I've already discussed on the show. And I'm actually going to go ahead and take him because after him, it's just, I mean, I just have nobody I would even want. And that's Chase Edmonds. And I spoke about him for a while. I think it was two episodes ago. I think he's the perfect handcuff for Kenyon Drake. And I don't have Kenyon Drake on my team, but Drake's main concern is his durability as the lead back. And Edmonds can come into Cliff Kingsbury's system and clean up if something were to happen to Kenyon Drake. Or if he just were to flop. Uh, because we don't really have a huge sample size of Drake being this lead back. Edmonds has three down potential. And he's produced as such when given the chance. And I, I like his talent. I love his scheme. I like his situation a lot. I think he's like the perfect dart throw running back. Later in drafts where you either hit the bullseye with. Or you miss the board entirely. And again that's the type of picks that I really go for late. So I'm going to hit Chase Edmonds here. And then we have TJ Hawkinson. Let's wrap this up. Uh, Noah Fant, Nikhil Harry, Mike Williams, Jalen Rager, Anthony Miller. So there's two of the receivers I mentioned. Rashad Perryman, the Patriots defense, Hunter Renfro, the 49ers defense, the Steelers defense. So we've got a defensive run here. Hayden Hurst. And then I'm on the clock. And the receiver that I mentioned, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and finish this. I'm not going to talk about other guys I'm going to go ahead and just close out the deal here with Justin Jefferson, who he could be the real deal. He'll start from day one. He'll contribute immediately because all the Vikings have at wide receivers, Adam Thielen. And Thielen, I mentioned, is 30 years old. He had hamstring issues last year. And this is pick 139 in round 12. And I have Jefferson about 20 spots higher on my board. So let's hit the simulation here. So I'll just read out some of the picks here. Michael Pittman, uh, Colts rookie receiver, went there. Bills defense, Aaron Rodgers, Antonio Gibson, Mike Jacecki, the Chargers defense, the Chiefs defense. Let's see. Okay, so I'm on the clock. Several defenses went on the board. I think I honestly think like eight or nine teams have their defense already. Uh, I'm not going to go check that. Let's see. This is round 13. I think it's pick around 150-ish. I'll go ahead and take my defense, and that'll be the... Let's go with the Eagles. I'll play the Week 1 matchup game and select the Eagles defense because they play the Washington football team in Week 1. So I, I like the Eagles' odds there. And there you have it. 
That will be my final team. So again, here's my final team. Matt Ryan is my quarterback. Uh, my running backs are Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, Raheem Mostert, and Tevin Coleman. So I got the 49ers running backs there. Chase Edmonds also at running back. And then at wide receiver, I picked Odell Beckham, DK Metcalf, AJ Green. I have Brandon Cooks and Justin Jefferson. I love my wide receiver core there. Uh, I also love that I have Zach Ertz at tight end and you know Matt Ryan at quarterback and then the Eagles defense. So I like this team a lot. Again, I do think it's well-balanced, solid all around. Pick six is definitely not a terrible spot to be in, although it, my team obviously would have changed big time if you know Derrick Henry was gone or maybe even Dalvin Cook's gone too, and I have to take Michael Thomas there. You know That changes the landscape, the, the, the whole strategy of your team. I think pick seven or nine is where it gets real hairy in terms of what to do in round one. Later on in August, I'll probably do you know pick an early pick, like pick one or two, because I haven't done that yet. And I'll mix it up with uh, maybe a super flex mocks or a 10-team league or maybe a crazy 16-team league. Or I'll experiment with different formats, because I know a lot of you have some different crazy leagues not that Superflex or anything is crazy. In fact, I strongly prefer Superflex, but I won't get into that until I'll save that for a two-minute rant later on this offseason. Let's get on, or conclude the show at least, with the fantasy nugget of the day. All right, today's fantasy nugget of the day is about Miles Sanders, who I did pick in the second round, pick 19 overall of the prior mock draft. Here's the nugget. Miles Sanders ranked 44th of 45 running backs in Pro Football Focus's rushing grade. 44th out of 45. His ADP is near the round one and two turn. So I'm not saying Pro Football Focus's grades are dispositive. It's not the end-all be-all, but it is something to think about. It is pretty, it's somewhat concerning. It's definitely an eyebrow raiser for sure. And that is what I will leave you with. That is the fantasy nugget of the day. All right, that'll conclude today's episode. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and that fifth star on that rating to give this podcast a very positive rating, assuming you enjoyed listening to it. Tell all your friends, help spread the word, help this young podcast grow. Thank you so much for listening. See ya.